The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Good morning, First CRC. It's really good to be with you all. Cool. So looking at the first passage that was read from Matthew, we're in the middle of a big sermon. We're in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he is painting a picture of what life in the kingdom of God looks like in reality, in the here and now. We get a taste in the middle of this sermon of what prayer is in this kingdom. And Jesus doesn't say, here's what you got to do. You got to fold your hands and close your eyes. He doesn't say that. Nor does he say, make sure you say the right thing, otherwise your prayer won't get answered. No, he doesn't say that. Nor does he even say, you should really try to sound like holy and righteous, like use a lot of Christianese. No, he says, he says, make sure not to love the approval of people too much. Don't make it complicated. Don't babble on like the Pharisees, he says. No need for fancy words. Instead, he says, go off on your own. He says, close the door behind you. Make sure no one else is there who could, you know, boost your ego. And make this about you. It's not about you. Instead, he says, pray like this, starting not with you, but with our Father in heaven. And stop right there, because, like, what is heaven? What is this heaven where our Father supposedly is? I think often when we think of heaven, we think of, like, fluffy white clouds, We think of like angels with harps. Maybe we think of something very far away from our own life and our own world and experience here. Interestingly, scholars note here that in the Jewish imagination, in the minds of the people Jesus was speaking to in this passage, heaven was not some far away, distant place necessarily. In fact, the Greek here, which is the language of the New Testament, including Matthew, where this passage is, um, heaven is actually plural. It's not heaven, but heavens. And for Jewish folks in that time, they believed there were many heavens. There were, of course, these celestial heavens up in the sky, but there was also heavens that were more imminent and more, more available. In fact, there was even in the Jewish mind a heaven that sort of surrounded your, your head, your mind, almost like kind of like a halo heaven. So to say this father of ours that we're praying to is in heaven is not to merely say that he's far off and distant, although he is that, you know, like he's 
what we call omnipresent. He's everywhere present. So he's out in the expansive and the universal beyond our comprehension. There's no place you can go from his presence, as the psalmist says elsewhere. But he's also right here, radically near to us, even behind a closed door where we're taught to go and pray. So you're following Jesus' instructions. You've left the crowds at risk of making it about you, and you're behind your closed door. You're in complete solitude. Perhaps you're in your bedroom. You look around, and you look at your walls, and you look at your bed, and whatever else you have in your bedroom. If you're like me, you have laundry you haven't folded. And you think to yourself, who is this omnipresent someone I'm supposed to be praying to? Have you ever been there? Have you ever had experiences where the one you're praying to feels, I don't know, anonymous? You know, maybe if you're like me, sometimes prayer feels kind of like talking to your wall, talking to yourself. Sometimes God feels anonymous, doesn't he? So interestingly, Jesus starts his model prayer, we could call it, the Lord's Prayer, by naming exactly who it is we're praying to. Our Father. We're praying to our Dad. Now, this might surprise you to hear, but I've never been a father, and I probably never will. <laughs> I um, have not had the experience of being a parent yet at all. So as I was preparing my message this week, I thought, well, maybe I should call up some buddies who have been fathers and uh, hear any reflections they have of their experiences as parents that have deepened their understanding of God as their father. So I did. I called my friend. We'll call him Bob. I called Bob. And he told me this really funny story when we were chatting about his experience as a dad. He told me this story when his firstborn was just a couple weeks old, and uh, him and his wife were going to a friend's house for dinner, and uh, they're driving over, and they're chatting, and their firstborn is in the back sleeping. And they get to their friend's house, and uh, Bob pulls uh, out of the car, and he heads to the front door, but his wife goes to the back of the car and grabs something. Steve, or, oh, I wasn't going to say his name. Well, now you know. It's my friend Steve. There are lots of Steves, though. Thank goodness. Um, he <laughs> he um, looks behind him at his wife, and he's like, what are you carrying? And then he's like, oh, yeah, that's my son. <laughs> and um, he says he's not since then ever had an experience again of forgetting he was a father. And so that memory just really sticks out to him of seeing uh, his wife holding something and forgetting it was his firstborn. <laughs> he says that ever since then, his kids have always been at least on the back of his mind, if not the front. They are always there, he says. When he wakes up and when he falls asleep, He's always thinking about them. Every decision he makes, everything he buys, every job he accepts, he's always thinking, how can I make sure that my children are well? And this is something I hear from my friends who are parents all the time. 
that parenting is this ultimate experience of selflessness, of what we could call holy self-forgetfulness. The experience of being a parent is the experience of having your whole life suddenly center on something that's not you. And I mean, this is absolutely, fundamentally, what God's relationship towards us is. God is a constant giver and always provider. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at his core, a lover. There is not a hint of selfishness in God. He wholly sets aside his life for us in Christ, who is fully God on the cross and every day. You are always on God's mind. We are always on God's mind. He is our Father, and we are his children. And of course, as we talked about earlier, the sign and seal of this membership in the family of God, the Father, is baptism, which we had the joy of witnessing this morning. And our task, therefore, for us as children is to enter into a vocation of childlikeness. Jesus says in our passage from Mark this morning, he says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. What does it mean to receive like a child? Well, those of us who have spent time around children might be able to start to formulate an image of what that would be like. I think it means humility. It means teachability. I think it also means being fully present, you know, which I think we can be students of children in regards to. They are always in the present. They are never in the past, not in the future. They are delighting in and wondering at the gifts given to them in the present. I think it also means being uninhibited in speech, you know. Kids say the weirdest things. And if you have spent time around children, maybe you can even be thinking of stories of just like really wacky, hilarious things that kids say, you know? And if nothing is coming to mind, I would say your spiritual homework is to go home and go on YouTube and look up just like hilarious things that kids say, because there are probably thousands, I don't know. And just enjoy and just be like, wow, this is what it means to be somebody who's entering the kingdom of heaven, to, you know, I believe this is exactly what Jesus means in our Matthew passage on prayer, when he says, don't babble on like the hypocrites. Don't bother trying to sound super intelligent. Just keep it simple. Keep it honest. Be like a child. Say what's on your mind, even if it's weird. <laughs> that's, that's how we pray. There's no need for heroism. In prayer, the most profound and clever comment isn't needed. There's no need for eloquence. Dallas Willard is a spiritual teacher who wrote on this passage, and he says, always, he said, always we are simply children walking and talking with our Father at hand. 
Always we are simply children walking and talking with our Father at hand. That is who we are in prayer. Children holding our Father's hand. And that is who God is in prayer. A Father who wants to walk slowly enough and carefully enough that we can hold his hand. So, when we pray, we are not just in our rooms behind closed doors with our walls and our laundry to stare at. Instead, we are in a new world. In fact, we are in the new world. When you pray, you are in the new world, which is the real world, the one that Jesus ushered in by his death and resurrection, a world where God is our father and we are his children. In this new world, we are no longer strangers to each other, but rather we are siblings in a cosmic family, a family that includes all nations and all people groups, all socioeconomic classes and all colors of skin. Not only that, but it includes all of history, all those who have been part of the church, God's timeless family in which we are all just little children holding our Father's hand. When we pray, we are bowing our two knees in a crowd of knees that are bowed. And we are one of many tongues that are confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we pray, we are in a new world where God dwells with man, as John writes in Revelation. Dallas Willard again. He says, Jesus teaches us here in Matthew 6 how to be in prayer what we are in life, how to be honest, how to be true. And he teaches us how to be in life what we are in prayer, little children. So let us be people who live as we pray. Let us be people who receive the kingdom of God as children, who receive God's unwavering, ever-present, unconditional, deep-seated, unselfish fatherly love with abandon, and who accept our subsequent identities as beloved, nothing more and nothing less. Let us go into our rooms and shut the doors so that we can open our doors again and step out into a world where we are equipped to be people who live as children of the same family, treating each other as brothers and sisters. Let us be people who enact the social reality of the new world where we belong to each other, no matter our race, age, culture, and background. Let us, just as God the Father loves us, love one another. Amen.